I'm going to go after a quantity, or I'm sorry, reverse that. I'm going to go after a quality approach, not quantity. And I think in our business, and it makes a lot of sense. Welcome to the Big Picture Blueprint. I'm your host, Dan Habercos, along with Mason McDonald. And we're going to discuss all things land, real estate, and business in general with all kinds of exceptional people. Let's get started. What's up, everybody? Uh, this is Mason McDonald, along with my co-host, Dan Habercos with the Big Picture Blueprint. And today we have the privilege of interviewing a friend of mine and someone that has uh, made me a lot of money. Um, so it's going to be a really great conversation. But uh, before we get into that, Dan, how are you doing? Well, Mason, I'm in Park City, Utah, riding some of the best snow of my life. Uh, but my Airbnb's furnace has gone out, so I'm a little bit cold. So overall good, but uh, looking forward to having heat again soon. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that happens. Uh, that happened to my acquisition manager of, I had a call with him yesterday and he was wearing full ski gear because his house was 35 degrees. So yeah, no man, uh, all is well, business is booming, uh, and excited for today's conversation. Heck yeah. Awesome. Well, without further ado, uh, today we have the privilege of interviewing, uh, my friend and one of the best realtors I know, Lauren Talley. Lauren is the owner and broker of Big Mountain Realty in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. Uh, he moved from, to Pagosa from the Dallas, Texas area to seek a more relaxed lifestyle, which I totally get. It's one of my favorite towns. And prior to being in real estate, Lauren was in the restaurant industry where he oversaw store management teams and over 1,000 employees of restaurants in, Dal in the Dallas area. But Lauren, you can tell it better. How are you doing today? I'm doing well today. It's really cold where I'm at here in Pagosa, but the sun is shining, so it always seems to to keep it bearable and, and beautiful. Awesome. So. And so you were in the restaurant industry in Dallas, um, and you moved out to Pagosa in 2018, and you were not a realtor. You had no experience in real estate at that point in time, right? Correct. No experience at all. The only experience I had was watching my mom do it for about 20, 30 years before which, I got Which that, so. that'll give you something. So what made you decide to <laughs> become a realtor? Um, I think the biggest thing was freedom for me, and that kind of rolled right into why I moved into Pagosa in the first place being able to form my schedule. I have two kids and I'm a single father as well. So having that freedom of schedule and mobility, kind of creating my own um, story and business, I guess, was was the main reason. So, Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, whether it's realtor or investor, uh, I think that's one of the main motivations for all of us. But Pagosa Springs is a small town. There's two or 3,000 people that live there. Whenever you kind of, moved into that, what do you feel like was one of the biggest challenges of just becoming a real realtor out there of understanding the knowledge, like beyond the, beyond the freedom aspect, like what, what led you to make that decision? What did that transition really look like? Uh, yeah. So when I moved here from the Texas area, um, it was a definite change. You spoke to the amount of people in town. So in town, yeah, there's a couple thousand people countywide. I want to say it's about twelve or 13,000, um, so it is a very small area, and that transition was purposeful, once again, to slow down life, live a little bit more relaxed, um, but then when it came to the real estate decision to get my real estate license, once again, that was for the freedom and to have the, the schedule, but I realized that in a small town, I was really going to have to, I guess, put myself out there in a way that, you know, really connected with people, and to to overcome that smallness. And quite frankly, I didn't have a sphere here. You know, realtors talk about tapping into this, their sphere and their family and their friends and 
make sure you send an email every month to all of them. And I didn't, you know, it was zero. That was the amount of people I had in my database. So, you know, really kind of hitting the ground, putting myself out there so people could not only see my face, but, um, you know, make a connection. There's um, really something to be said for making a connection with people as far as face-to-face goes. And this was kind of happening really um, during COVID time when COVID had really started was when I actually kind of got my license. And so that really parlayed itself into what really was kind of needed at the time to, to operate a business. So, Interesting. So, Lauren, a, a question kind of along with all that is, did you start with land or how did you end up in land? Uh, you know, most people, most realtors, it's all about houses. Uh, so that's a pretty right. niched uh, uh, asset within real estate. So how did that come about? Uh, yeah, that's twofold. Um, some of it was purposeful. And the other part of it is that here in a small town, niching into one particular market really probably isn't a good idea when you're trying to find your footing. So to be honest with you, at first, I would have sold anything. If you could um, sell a dog legally on the MLS, I would have done it. It was really all about just getting my foot in the door. And then as time went on, really gravitated towards land because I like being outdoors is the number one thing. So, you know, selling 35 acres is actually a pretty common thing out here and walking all 35 acres is even more common when it comes to selling it and just getting out exploring you know we've picked up antlers off of people's properties and given it to them at closing we've picked up um you know indian head arrowheads and and, and that type of stuff and uh, that's kind of what makes it special is that little that little part of it um and then the other reason i, I think it kind of really went into land is the marketing um you really do kind of get back what you put out you know, for lack of saying it in a better way, but um, that really is true. So when I really started putting my marketing and my video focus onto land, that really was the calls I would get. And that really kind of goes for everything. So, you know, it's if, if I was to probably put more of a focus on, you know, luxury or commercial or whatever it was, you know, I, I could, you know, bet my bottom dollar that those would be the phone calls that I would start getting. That's fantastic. And I, I want to expand on the content creation because, I mean, that that's what led me to trusting you to to be uh the the realtor on my my very first deal that I did and um several several more uh or a good amount more since then where I know you've got videos of what it's like living in Pagosa Springs what it takes to build giving in Pagosa Springs so expand a little bit more on the content creation and just how you're able to add value and that strategy especially in a market like Pagosa Springs where it's a lot of secondary it's vacation homes and people from out of state buying buying second houses. Right. So that actually plays right into it um, because, you know, it's one thing to look into a, a subdivision in a city that you already live in or look into a, a school district in a county you already live in. But it's a whole other thing to Google and investigate a town that you're completely unfamiliar with because you want to make a big change or, you know, like you said, invest or have a second home, that type of a thing. So that really kind of what does it for me, you know, it's it, I realized that when I started making the videos that people absolutely were searching for the information. Um, you know, Google is your friend. If you use Google as your friend, it can be your enemy if you use it as your enemy. But Google can absolutely be your friend um, if you use it as your friend. And so YouTube is very powerful in allowing the people that want to see your content to see it and filtering out all the fluff. You know, it, it, it's one thing to be able to put Facebook posts up and make sure that people are aware and that, and that they think of you when they think of whatever it is, the business you're in. Um, but it's a whole nother thing when they find someone through their own search and their own investigation 
and they connect. And that is a huge difference than having someone have their feed interrupted on Facebook versus, you know, the search bar saying, hey, Lauren Talley wants to talk to you. So, yeah, I, I so it sounds like I want to hit on this point here. And I think this is something Mason and I c could do better at. We're working at. But you took your demographic, who you're trying to target. You figured out what they're looking for, what they want to know about. And you created content accordingly, as opposed to creating you know, pushier, irritating ads or talking about how great of a realtor you are. Uh, you didn't really market yourself directly. You just provided the information they needed so that when they were ready to act on that information, they called you. Is that accurate? Correct. That's, that's, that's very accurate. I could definitely expand on the content. And I apologize, Mason. I went a little bit general on the answer to you there. But, you know, as far as the content goes, you know, people, you know, they definitely want to know and I say this, the title of the video, but what is it like living in Pagosa Spring? Totally different. They want to know what are the positives and negatives because, you know, that's what it, what it is. They want to know, are they going to have the available shopping? Where where can they go eat? Um, and then you can even get a little more granular with it and really kind of focus in and get the content to the right people that want to call you. And that's when you can go into, you know, what you need to know about buying land in Pagosa Spring. And that's important, the in Pagosa Springs part, you know, because that's different than Colorado Springs. It's different than Steamboat Springs. It's different than anywhere else. So that's very focus driven. So when you've got people in that funnel and you've provided them that general content that makes them feel comfortable that the decision they're making is, you know, a good or a bad one, then you really kind of are speaking to them, you know, and putting them in that process already. Um, because a lot of people don't get into that process, honestly, until they've had, you know, three conversations with the realtor and they're finally in escrow. And they're like, oh, who do we have to call and, and what do we need to look into to see if I can even you know, build on this land? Um, and I'd really try to tap into that before you know, we ever even get to that point. So That's fantastic. Lauren, who, who was your first client that you represented uh, whenever you became a realtor? Were they a local or were they someone selling that's a local or someone uh, coming in from out of state? Who was it? Yeah, you know, it's funny. YouTube has gotten me by far the most you know, clients, I'd say that YouTube by far in the video marketing probably is 85% of my lead generation. However, ironically, my site has got me a seller lead out in the Aspen Springs subdivision. And that actually was my first client. But, you know, I do remember my first, one of my first YouTube clients, um, and his name was Franklin. He was originally from the Pagosa area, but currently lived in Hawaii and just always looking into Pagosa and, and reminiscing on the internet, what's going on. In Pagosa, he discovered me on YouTube, uh, gave me a call. We made a couple lots or purchases on lots similar to what um, you've done, Mason, and quickly turned them around for, for you know, a good ROI. He referred me over to another client that lived in Telluride, and that just kind of continued the process. And that's kind of when I knew I had something going there is, is when that kind of took off at that point. So, Lauren, there are a number of things I want to ask you about there, but one of the biggest, so so you know, a lot of our audience has similar businesses to Mason and I where they're going direct to seller for land or other assets. And one of the biggest things there is building trust, right? How do you remotely build trust with someone a lot of times of an older demographic who's more afraid of scams? And you're doing the same thing when these people call you uh, just off your videos on YouTube, you know beyond the familiarity that they already have just from seeing you in your videos, what do you do? How do you get past that initial barrier so that you're having an honest conversation and they know that you're someone they can trust to do business with? A lot of that actually takes care of itself in the videos. 
uh, hey, to, that's, that really is the, the best answer. When I get a phone call from someone and we're, we're at that point where they've called because they've seen my videos, um, I'm almost maybe over assumptive about the fact that I'm going to do business with that person. Um, you know, if someone calls me from a, what it would be a homes.com lead or something like that, then yes, there's a lot of that. Um, hey, this is what I've done. You know, please take a look at this, by the way. And I'll actually use YouTube in that scenario as I'll tell someone that found me through another me through another means to say, hey, by the way, um, in between now and when I send you the information you requested, go ahead and go to Living in Pagosa Springs on YouTube. And that way you and I, you, you can, you know, put a face to the name and you can feel more comfortable with me. And that nails it in every time. And I'm telling you what, there's a stat that the NAR put out a couple of years ago that says 85%, well, let me make sure I get this right here, that clients are 85% more likely to say yes or to hire you if they have seen your face rather than talk to you over the phone. And that connection, just that face-to-face -face connection is so real. And so not that I'm trying to, to go around that answer, but really the YouTube part really nullifies a lot of that relationship building you have to do. Um, and I think a part of that too is being yourself on video, right? So a lot of times you'll have people out there and they're just not good at it. And that's not me being mean. That's not for everybody. So it's real structured. You can tell they're, re you know, they're reading from a, a teleprompter or something like that. And it's very, very robotic. It's almost as important to just be yourself than to have the content. Because if you're yourself, then, you know, that they'll, that's all they, that's all they really want to see that, that connects them, you know, and, and getting a little bit personal sometimes, you know, you, you can kind of sometimes hint at, you know, what you like to do or what your hobbies are, or to, you know, toss in, you know, Hey, I've got to, you know, I'm a single father from Pagosa Springs and I got two kids that go to the public middle schools here. And, and sometimes that's all people want to hear, to be honest with you. They just want to know that you're living the real life. That's great. I, I mean, there, there's so much useful information, whether you're a realtor and an investor in some other aspect of business. I mean, video testimonial is one of the most powerful things, and that's what you've created uh, through yourself. And it doesn't take getting on some text message list of texting every single person you know and saying, hey, please write a review for me on Google to get my Google ads up or, or anything like that, where if you look at how Gen X and millennials and uh, Gen Z uh, look things up, Gen X and millennials, we're more likely to go on YouTube than we are on Google. And Gen Z is more likely to get on TikTok to look something up. And so being able to have a presence there of Realtor Pagosa Springs and Lauren Talley showing up at the top of it is absolutely going to establish you as an authority, whether it's for locals or for other people. But um, did you run into any challenges? Uh, because I, I do business in Pagosa, so I know that the community is very tight-knit there and it's very local-focused of being the big city outsider coming in and uh, starting Big Mountain Realty and uh, getting involved in there. What kind of hurdles did you have to jump over, if any? Uh, yeah, I'd say that the trust from the locals is probably the hardest thing to gain. Um, you know, on a, speaking numbers-wise, you know, we talked about how many people are here. So it's like there's 12,000 people in the entire county. We've got about 200 active licensed real estate agents here. And, you know, half of them have probably lived here for nearly half of their life, or if not all of it. And so they know everyone in town. And so and that has been the biggest struggle. The videos really connect to the buyers, obviously, because they're investigating where they might want to live and that type of thing. Um, so that's really completely taken down that obstacle and the friction from connecting with buyers. But um, connecting with sellers is, is, is definitely the hardest obstacle here. And I think part of that is to, that at per, on a personal level, I'm a little bit of an introvert. So you're not going to see me going out to the alley house 
sporting meander and, and, and gobbing it up with, with all the people there. Um, I'm more of just kind of a straight shooter business guy. So um, between nine and five, if, if you and I are having a conversation, that, that's where I'm at my best. So, you know, I think that that's part of it. And that's been the hardest is, is getting in connection with the locals um, and not even really their trust. But you also have to understand, and you know, I'm sure this happens in all areas um, of where we live. Um, but there's a lot of people that were from small towns that have been here forever and they don't want to see change, you know, and a realtor or a real estate agent or, you know, a Facebook marketplace ad for land for sale or whatever it is to them is just a symbol of change. And they don't want to see that change because um, the same reasons that they're here are also the same reasons that you want to be here. And it's like a conflicting same interest type of scenario. So absolutely. And I think Picosa is great, and you you look at it and you wonder of, okay, it's got Wolf Creek Ski Resort 30 minutes away, which gets the most powder in the state. You've got the world's deepest hot springs right downtown, and yet it's stayed very small. So I, I went to college at Baylor University in Waco, Texas, and I was there for the rise of Chip and Joanna Gaines, and I saw what Chip and Joanna Gaines did in Waco. You have a similar couple doing a similar thing in Pagosa Springs with the uh, the Building Roots show on HGTV at Root House Coffee Company that, that you're showing in the video uh, you guys are watching on YouTube. Have you noticed, um, because I think the first season was, I don't know, a couple years ago, maybe, have you seen a change or an influx in either tourism or people wanting to buy property because of an HGTV show? And what's that been like? Um, I have seen it, but not on a big scale. We have seen it more on an individual scale. So I have gotten phone calls and sold property directly to people that are, were only interested because they saw Ben and Christie's show on HDTV. You know, I wouldn't say it was a big influx. It definitely made people aware, you know, when you go in to get your coffee, um, you know, you have people that are, you know, kind of just looking around gawking and, and trying to see who they can see. And they feel like they're like they're on camera, they're in a TV show, whatever it is. But, um, but no, I'd say more on an individual basis. But I did get phone calls, you know, so thank you to Ben and Christy for the show. Um, but I'd say it was more on an individual basis than you could tell like on a, on a macro town level. Interesting, interesting. Um, you know, I think that probably just speaks to the size of Pagosa. Um, you know, I will say this, not to diverge too much from the main point of the conversation, but I think if they would have had that show hitting the air spring of 2020 or you know, in summer of 2020, right before the takeoff of real estate in Pagosa, then you might be able to find a correlation there for sure. So, Lauren, something that's on everyone's mind is what's going to happen with the market. And I know, you know, Mason and I are seeing a, a pretty similar uptick as we're heading into 2024 here. Uh, you know, it's January the 17th. What are you seeing in somewhere like Pagosa Springs, Colorado? It's still very cold and it's a small town. Are you seeing any change as we get into the new year here? So the winter always slows it down a little bit. Our velocity of transactions um, naturally slows down and hits that valley all the time. Um, so really, you kind of have to keep, you know, how do they say, it? the ears to the ground, be paying attention to what's going on in trends, you know, what people are talking about, and that type of a thing. Um, and there's no doubt that the potential lowering of interest rates um, this year is getting people excited. So it's getting people to look. Um, I can tell that on my analytics, on my website, um, on my YouTube analytics, that type of a thing. And that's what I'm noticing just just from from paying attention. I have a feeling that when March rolls, or, I'm sorry, not March, but when May rolls around and the snow is melted and people can get out and about, um, that that's when we're really going to see the impact. Supply is still an issue. I think we all know that. Mm -hmm. So really, it's going to be that classic squeeze of of demand and supply like we've seen the last you know three or four years. Um, but it could even be at a more exponential level depending 
on um, you know where the where where the market goes and where interest rates go and that type of a thing. So, Lauren, I have to pull out one thing you said there. You said because of the potential for the lowering of interest rates, and this I was just reading an article on this this morning, so it kind of cracks me up that you said this. So everyone is already factoring in quite a few drops in in interest rates, and man. You know, the market is not driven often by reality. It's driven by investor sentiment, by expectations of the future. And I'm, I'm afraid, and this probably won't affect us in our world as much, but if I was in the stock market, I think that there's more optimism factored into the price than reality right now uh, because there is only potential for interest rate drops. Nothing is, is guaranteed there. So I just, I had to quickly uh, make that comment. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, the, the potentials there, I, I would say for everyone that's involved in our business or real estate related, investor related, any of that, you really need to uh, maybe put away the headlines the next day and be listening to what the Fed says that day when they have the meeting. And you have MBS putting out three definite 100% dot plots in 2024. And not to say that I'm smarter than MBS or the Fed themselves, but there's no way there's a 100% chance of three. Um, interest rate drop. And the reason is, to be quite frank, is because inflation is a scary reality. And we've only seen it drop to 3.2 core. And that means the plane never landed. So people can say they we had a soft landing, we had a, a, a hard landing. We never got to the twos, the plane never landed. So that's, that's, that's why I think people need to keep in the back of their minds that we might not see um, these aggressive interest rate drops. Having said that, though, that's and I'm being genuine about that, but that's why I also can look a buyer in the eye and be genuine and say, hey, you might need to take advantage here and here and now when you start seeing these rates drop, because that might stop awful. Absolutely. So. And I mean, it, I heard the same thing this time last year for 2023. Uh, there was going to be all these interest rate drops and it, it, it just didn't really happen. And I, I think it's the old saying of the best time to buy is today or 10 years ago. And I think that's going to hold true. Um, but Lauren, let, let's shift gears a little bit and talk more about the the actual business that you're running. Uh, you mentioned that you're starting to do some restructuring in your business. Tell us more about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm really most excited about right now because I can kind of see, a, have a lot of clarity right now on my business. And really what that's having to do with is the fact that I'm going to go after a quantity, or I'm sorry, reverse that. I'm going to go after a quality approach, not quantity. And I think in our business, and it makes a lot of sense that quantity is the way to go, right? Is to make as many phone calls as you can, that you're, you know, as a realtor, you're told that your income is directly related to how many people you talk to about the business that you're in. And I'm starting to learn that quantity might be, or, or quality, I keep getting that switched up, but quality might be the, the way to go and to really focus in, you know, quite frankly on the big fish, you know, and I'm not afraid to say that. I'm, I'm, I will never be ashamed to say that I'm looking for big fish over small fish. So that's really going to kind of be what I focus on. Um, and that's a general answer. Um, the way that I really plan on doing that is really just taking your simple Pareto principle and saying, okay, look, you know, 80% of my business is coming from 20% of these actions. You know, so to be frank, why the hell am I doing the other 80% of the action? And it's going to be getting rid of those 80% of the actions, um, really focusing on the three or four things that are really good and really make sense and don't get distracted. You know, and, and, and I've gotten pulled away from doing a lot of the YouTube videos over the last year or so. And that's, you know, a couple of reasons. I wanted to kind of slow my own self down a little bit. 
The other part of that is, is that YouTube is evergreen. It goes forever. So while I'm sleeping, YouTube is working. And um, that's part of it. But now that I am kind of taking down the business a little bit and getting rid of a lot of the fluff and focusing in on, uh, once again, the, the big fish, is that's where I'm going to direct my marketing in my YouTube videos. You know, So you know, instead of me making a general video about Bioman and Pagosa Springs and what you know, you, know, you might see a video soon come out that's, you know, that's more about buying 35 acres and what you need to know, that type of thing. And, and in making small adjustments like that. And I really think that uh, making small adjustments in your business can have huge changes as, as far as the result goes. And that's what I'm really focused on is, is what I can get rid of, where can I just make some little tweaks and changes and, and kind of see where that takes me. Part of that also is focusing on me and how I work. I've noticed, and I think everyone should probably do this from time to time, some some really hard self-analyzation. And for me, what I realized this year is that I gave myself way too much. There was definitely a little bit of a burnout factor involved. And, and I've always known I have ADHD. And so the way that I was working um, on a daily basis um, just really wasn't conducive to where I needed my business to be. And so that's part of it as well. So making changes in the way that I work, you know, and, 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 and how I schedule things and, and that type of thing is making a big difference too. So so I'd say overall, it's really about yeah, getting rid of, of what's not needed, um, focusing on just a few things and doing them really well. Um, you know, I, I read a book in December, and one of the quotes that stuck out from the book is, um, you know, a master is not someone that can do something really well. A master is someone that can do something uniquely well. And that's what I plan on doing, doing, you know, taking these things and doing them really uniquely well and, and continuing to stand out. And instead of changing what I'm doing completely, let's really narrow it in and, and make it as perfect as possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I think everyone could go back and listen to that uh, multiple times over. I mean, what you're, what you're saying resonates with me, resonates with them and everyone of we, we all have that kind of entrepreneur mindset and get shiny ob object syndrome very, very easily. And there's so much to do. And if you can align and we have episodes on it, and we try to drill that point home of aligning your marketing with your avatar of you know what you're going after and the more specific and intentional that you can be with it, uh, the better. And whenever you recognize the Pareto principle in your own business of, okay, 20% of the actions that I'm taking uh, are resulting in 80% of it, how can I double and triple and quadruple down on that? And then you start to see the Pareto principle in the more macro with the how, however many you said, 400 agents in a town of uh, 2,300 in a county of 14,000 where it's 20% of the agents that are doing 80% of the business, if not even a, a greater ratio there. So I love to see the focus. And I think it's, it's tricky. And you, you have a team under you where the, this is something that Dan and I talk about a lot. And I personally, in my business, go back and forth on of the big fish, Moby Dick, the big whale. Those are really great, but sometimes they take longer. They're more complex. Uh, the small ones, the quick turnaround time, the volume business, the quantity over quality, it's really, it's really attractive to whenever one succeeds over the other. Whenever I have a huge deal close, I'm like, I'm all in on big deals. I'm not worrying about these small deals. And then I don't have a big deal close for six months. And I'm like, I'm all in on small deals. I just want to do that. So within your business, are you going to uh, delegate your team to kind of focus on the smaller deals, the smaller fish, the quantity, and then you as the broker, the leader, uh, the visionary focus on the larger deals? That's correct. That's exactly what I plan on doing. And then I'm going to take it even actually a step further. 
and I apologize if this sounds arrogant at all, um, but I needed to be better at saying no. So our, you know, any new clients that we have um, from this point on, to be quite frank, we are going to ask them to have a value limit on the property that we're buying, be buying or selling with them. You know, that's that really is where the growth I think is going to happen. Um, once again, you know, we're going to work with all of our past clients and our current clients just as we have, and we'll do as much business as they need, no matter how many times over. Uh, but I think where where rubber is going to meet the road, not only for my business but for a lot of people, is 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 putting those um, thresholds into your business, and in knowing that making the sacrifice now in five years um, could have that big payoff. And I lose sight a lot of times of the long-term picture because I'm more worried about a short-term decision that feels right. And what I really would like to, to do is take those, those goals and, and, and break it down from a 10 or five-year stretch and go backwards with it and say, okay, look, if this goal that I created for, for this day or whatever the action is for today, if that doesn't fit what I'm looking to have in 10 years, then should I really be doing it? You know, and that does unfortunately mean that there's going to be people that you do have to tell no to. Um, but once again, I think part of it is maybe how we're taught in the real estate industry. And not that it's wrong. It's not a wrong line of thinking to talk to as many people and to get out as many flyers and, and to do and to do all of that. That is not necessarily wrong thinking. But um, counterintuitively, if no one else is really going to be focusing on, you know, just a little bits that, that pay off big time, then maybe that's where I would like to focus. And um, I think sometimes it's a little bit more of a uh, of a mindset thing for me too, is knowing that I've got to be doing things differently than other people to be able to envision that success. And once again, that goes back to the small town and saturated with hundreds of agents. So, Lauren, there's a number of great points there, but one thing that I really wanted to emphasize, and we have a whole podcast coming out about this, it probably will have by this point, is making sure that you're not so bogged down in the day-to-day, -day, bogged down in the 30, 60, 90-day goals, that you totally sacrifice the five to 10-year goals. And one of the biggest things that we have seen separate people who are very successful in the long term and who are continually moving upwards and those who are a bit stagnant is the ability to work on something that isn't going to come to fruition for years and put that effort in even though you're not seeing the benefit from it immediately, and all the biggest goals are that way. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. that. That is really, really important. And real quick before I forget, what was that book? We, I wanted to get the book title you referenced earlier. Actually, I think it's on my shelf. 10X is Easier Than 2X. Um, it was written by uh, Ben Hardy and, and Dan Sullivan. It's a great book. I'm not the biggest person on the whole you know, Grant Cardone 10x type of mindset on a generic kind of basis, getting you pumped up for it. Um, but this book in particular, really, um, it really applies it in a different fashion that I think uh, can be helpful for people starting off a new business or for someone like me who's looking to do a little bit of renewal inside of their business. So, Okay, thank you. And then Mason, did you, you look like you had wanted to say something there before I... No, no, I, I think that's, uh, it, it's all great points. Um, and it, it really is, if you're operating in a scarcity mindset, it's it's very hard to recognize that going after the bigger fish actually pays off better. It's easier to make a hundred thousand than it is to make a thousand a lot of times. And I think people hear that and they feel like it's it's buzzwords and it's pop psychology and it's uh, clickbait or anything like that. And in reality, it's if you're going to think at a higher level to si solve higher level problems, 
you're going to be able to take that approach to the smaller problems and it's going to just pay dividends in the long run. So I think that's really, really great advice uh, to anyone out there. Yeah. And, and if you don't mind, Mason, I'll expand on that just a little bit more because you mentioned the, the mindset, the abundance mindset, obviously, is the mindset that um, I, obviously that we all want. And it's, it's some, for some people that doesn't click until it actually clicks. Um, but I think a great way to think about it is imagine um, you've got yourself in a position to where no longer you're operating or making any decisions off of needs. You're operating completely off of what you want. And maybe that's the best way to explain the difference between scarcity and abundance mindset. And I think a lot of people just need to hear that. You know, it's, it's, it's especially right now when it's slow, um, there's probably a bunch of agents and investors and wholesalers and, and people looking to get deals done now. And they just can't because of the, of, of whatever it is. It, that, and that rolls right into what you talked about, having those elongated goals and knowing that, that the focus on the, on the here and now aligned with the long term is, is usually the right way. Absolutely. So. And we recognize that we're, we're talking about people that are in, in a stage of life where they're not worried about where their next meal is coming from. And, it's, and if they can't make their rent payment or their mortgage payment that month because they do it, it's as you get those basic needs met of how can I elevate up Maslow's hierarchy of I've made my physiological needs. Now, how do I make these community needs and these self-actualization needs and apply that in the business setting? And I think whenever you can uh, extend that idea into business, you're going to blow your business up in a way that you can't, you can't quite fathom. Well, Lauren, as we start wrapping up the show, are there any questions that you wish we had asked you that we did not? Oh, oh, that's a good question about questions. Um, you know, I think it's important for people to recognize a difference. And I'm, you know, obviously here from a small town to recognize a difference between smaller markets and bigger markets, or maybe even more importantly, to recognize um, that real estate in general is hyper local. Um, so really paying attention to the data if you're an investor is super important. And that means the data from that area not from what you see on CNBC. And then from the reverse perspective, uh, as, a, as a client, um, you need to be looking for someone that, that understands the data and what it means for that. Um, you know, someone blindly could, could say, golly, Lauren, there's only 53 pending transactions in Archuleta County. You know, while that might be true today, um, on a relative speaking terms, that person doesn't know what that actually means for January 19th or whatever day it is. You know, that's they just don't know that. So I think it's very important to focus on the data for everybody, you know, because if you're from Dallas or from Austin looking to buy real estate in Pagosa, you need to understand that it might be two different completely things with the negotiations where you start on the offer, all of that. So I think that's really important. Great. Awesome. Well, Lauren, uh, this has been fantastic. Uh, I think there's just so much information that applies to whether you're a realtor in a big city or a realtor in a small town or just a business person in general. So where can people find more out about you? Absolutely. Good question. So my YouTube, since we talked about it so much, is Living in Pagosa Springs. Uh, that's the name of the channel on YouTube. I just revamped my website and I'm super pumped about it. It looks really clean. Um, so that's actually laurentally.com. Um, one thing that I'm learning uh, along with all of this is that it's okay to put a little more focus on yourself as the, as the business, um, in that homes and real estate is the product that I sell. Um, so I, you know, went ahead and changed my website up from, you know, Pagosa Springs focus to laurentally.com. So you can find me there. I mean, that's the two main places. Um, I'm on Facebook, uh, living in Pagosa Springs, Instagram, living in Pagosa Springs, but 
if people want to give me a follow, YouTube is where it makes the most impact uh, there at Living in Pagosa. Awesome. Awesome. We'll make sure to include all that in the show notes. And I just went to laurentally.com and it looks fantastic. Um, I mean, this is this is one of the one of the better looking websites that I've seen. So Lauren, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, it was great getting to talk and uh, hear more about your background and your business. But uh, we'll, we'll be in touch soon as we will continue to do more deals together. But uh, for now, this is Mason McDonald and Dan Hepperkost with the Big Picture Blueprint signing off. And that's it for today's episode of the Big Picture Blueprint. If you found it helpful, please share it with your friends or anyone you think that it could benefit. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. And we'll see you in the next episode.